0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Let's now hear from God's word. Before Charles reads to us, let me pray. Our Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have not left us in darkness, but has given us the light of your word. We pray as we now hear it that we would read it. Mark... Learn and inwardly digest it, that it would be a word that speaks freshly and clearly to us today. And in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you, Charles.
1: Good morning. I'm reading from the Corinthians, which you can find on page 928 in the Pew Bibles, uh, 4, 1 to 5. Paul wrote... Thank of us, thank of us, think of us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I shall be judged by you or by any human court. I don't, do not even judge myself. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive commendation from God. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be
0: Please be seated and turn in your Bibles to page 807 for our second reading from Matthew chapter 25. Thanks, Colleen. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent Went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here ends the lesson.
2: Father, your scriptures call us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Awaken in us a passion to know more and more about you, so that increasingly we grow to be like you, as Jesus requested, and for his sake. Amen. My grandmother told me a story from her life in a small country town. A well-known local identity was always accompanied by his blue heeler. On one occasion, he ordered the dog to stand guard over his backpack, and he then began a drinking bender that involves consuming alcohol without food for a number of days, resuming drinking whenever he comes to, and continuing to drink till he next passes out. Other people eventually provided some water and food for the dog, which had never budged from its position next to its master's swag. Now, that was my grandmother's example of being faithful. Years ago in Western Victoria, in an even smaller town, I met an older couple who'd been coming to church regularly at that stage for some years. But this had not always been so. Their earlier married years had seen him often drunk, and her often getting knocked around. Well, he'd sobered up, the marriage had survived, they joined the church. However, for some years now, her brain had gone, no doubt damaged by the beatings. And while his health was okay, he was dotingly caring for her and her every need in a very deliberate and determined and very time-consuming manner. He had indeed become a husband who was faithful. The dog was faithful, and we pity it. The elderly husband was faithful, and we think so he should be, especially as her problem was partly his fault. We admire faithfulness in others, but seldom aspire to it ourselves, because we only think of it as Faithful when we are in situations that are taxing, ongoing, and really devoid of any other honourable alternative. Being faithful is very much like last Sunday's sermon, be patient. We don't really want to have lives that call for either patience or faithfulness. We would much rather than be comfortable, simple and sweet. However, patience and faithfulness both are central planks of the Christian character. Ah, oh, well, we say often, I presume that uh, I will rise to the task should it ever fall to my lot to have to be either patient or faithful, but he is hoping that situation never arises. No, no, no. If your life at the moment has no need for either patience or faithfulness, there is a very high chance that you have eased yourself out of some situations that will test your patience or your faithfulness. Just being the people God wants us to be means that we will normally find ourselves, at least from time to time, in some situations at home or at work or at church, that push us out of our carefully protected comfort zone. It's called loving our neighbours as ourselves. Love, in time, will always have periods that are hard and that are costly and that are tough. And that is what we are called to be. Now, I'm not talking, of course, about those whose recent lives have been stretched and stressful and hard. Of course, you need a season of peace and quiet and uh, some restoration. God does not call us to burn ourselves out. He is, after all, the source of life in all its fullness. He's not the source of an existence of endless exhaustion of body, mind and spirit. But for the rest of us, for most of us, finding ourselves in situations that do require patience or faithfulness ought to be our regular experience, either through just living life or through us being deliberately Christian at home or work or at church. It's taxing because people are in need, the people that we are to love, or taxing because people are against us, and they're still the people we're called to love. So why be faithful? The Bible readings today laid it very clearly. We are expected to be faithful, and our faithfulness is an indication of where we stand with God, whether we're towards him or whether we're turning our back to him. Hence the uh, the severe end to the parable that Jesus told for those or for the one man who ignored his calling and whose direction was very selfish and totally absorbed in himself and not the calling that was his. But the main reason is not to escape the horrors of losing God in the long run. The main reason for being faithful is because God is patient and faithful and he calls us to be like him, children like their father. God's faithfulness is a very frequent theme throughout the Bible. Deuteronomy records Moses' sentiment. The Lord is God, the faithful one, who maintains covenant loyalty with those who love him. God is faithful. In Moses' day, God had initiated an agreement or a covenant or a testament, with Israel where he would be their God and they would be his people. He would make them into a great nation, living in a good country, and he had kept his promise, despite Israel failing its side of the covenant. Again in Deuteronomy, God is described as a faithful God without deceit just and upright, yet his degenerate children have dealt falsely with him. It's a theme that covers the whole of the Old Testament. Down the centuries, God has kept his promise, protecting and blessing Israel, but his people have treated him as though he's their servant, their lucky charm. Of course, as he has told them from the start, if they ignore him and mistreat each other, his patience will run out. That was his promise. And for him to be faithful, he will eventually have to correct and punish. That was his promise. And one psalmist wrote, the Lord is faithful in all his words. He kept warning them across the centuries. Now that's patience. But then finally he acted. He withdrew his protection Ten tribes were beaten in battle and the survivors relocated to other lands in the Assyrian Empire, never to be heard of again in history. And then later, the final two tribes were beaten by the Babylonians and dragged off into slavery in exile in Mesopotamia. Now, many of them, or their children, did return to Israel, but they came back chastened, and with a new resolve for the very first time to really keep their side of the covenant. God had been patient and faithful and he calls them and he calls us to be faithful too. And in the New Testament, God's faithfulness dominates because he's kept his big promise to send a saviour. He sent his son and then Christ, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us, was faithful as a son. That is, facing death the very next day, Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And in obedience he went to his death. At last, and lest we should ever be tempted to think that this was a rather easy option for the Father, St Paul reminds us that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So the son was faithful to his father and the father was faithful to his promise and we, his children, are called to be faithful because God, our father, is faithful. There are many other promises from God <clears throat> in the New Testament uh, that are to his people. Uh, for us, when we are being faithful to our calling as his children and as Jesus' disciples. For instance, when we repent and genuinely confess, we read, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we're under great pressure to ditch God, God is faithful and will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but With the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. And when we need extra help in some inner battle, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. When we fear that we will not be able to persevere with our faith to the end, we read God is faithful so he will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless. And when we are distressed that we will never be holy enough to be in heaven, the one who calls you is faithful and he will sanctify you entirely. Now, these five New Testament promises from St John and St Paul are not theory, not something that they learned at a seminar or dreamed up as a good idea, They are lessons they learn from living their Christian lives. This is their experience. So God is faithful to all his promises and he calls us to be faithful to him. And now our calling is to be faithful children who honour their parents, faithful parents who do not provoke our children to the point that they lose heart to be faithful workers who render service with enthusiasm not only while being watched, to be faithful bosses treating workers justly and fairly, to be faithful husbands who love their wives, nourishing them and tenderly caring for them, to be faithful wives respecting their husbands in everything, to be faithful learners who... Understand what the will of the Lord is. To be faithful church members who make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And to be faithful disciples forgiving one another from the heart. And so it goes on. And St. Paul urges us be faithful in prayer. So we could sum it up be faithful in every action, in every word, in every goal. In every thought, in every relationship, in every minute, in everything, what a sensible and exciting goal, be faithful. It is so noble and so sensible. It is the way to life in all its fullness. But how are we going to be faithful? Well, Hebrews chapter 12. Run with perseverance, looking to Jesus who endured the cross for the sake of the joy set before him. Consider him so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The great instruction is to so focus on Jesus that we are instructed and inspired and encouraged so that we do not grow weary nor lose heart. We get to consider Christ, I think, in two ways. Firstly, by simply often thinking, what would Jesus do now? Do you do this at home, at work, at leisure? What what would Jesus be doing now if he was here? Better still, not just thinking that question, but rather actually asking him, Jesus, what would you do now? if you were having this argument that I am? What would you do now if you were driving the car in this testing experience? What would you do now if you were facing this dilemma that's in front of me? What would you do, Jesus, if you were experiencing this disappointment? Actually ask him. And the second way of considering Christ is to think of his life now. The writer to the Hebrews says he's having taken his seat at the right hand of God. This was the joy that was set before him, that inspired and carried him through being faithful even to death. Sometimes for us, particularly if life is going well for us in a city like this, in a country like ours, sometimes it's hard to imagine life better than this. Well, it will be more enriching, More rewarding, more satisfying, more intriguing, more interesting, more fulfilling than anything on earth. This is just the venue where we might get a foretaste, but no more. And look to Jesus' family, the church, here for inspiration. The writer to the Hebrews also says, "'Let us provoke one another to love and good deeds,' How do we provoke one another to love and good deeds? Not neglecting to meet together. That's where it happens. But rather encouraging one another. Here in church is where you will hear about Jesus and be encouraged to consider him. Here is where you will meet others who are doing just that. Being here is vital to becoming and to continuing Being faithful. So, consider Christ. Ask Him, what would you do? Consider Christ. Remember what He's enjoying now. Consider Christ. Never stop joining with His family, His body, the church, because you need us and we need you. Be faithful.